Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is John the Baptist. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensolo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so it has been, full disclosure, six years since we've talked about John the Baptist. <laughs> Goodness. So we decided we could probably revisit the topic. Indeed. But my first question to you is this. Do you capitalize the T in John the Baptist? Because I have been, and yet it seems wrong. And yet when I don't do it, it seems equally wrong. What's up with the the? <laughs> I googled this and I looked up the way that it is done in like, I don't know, various people who check these kinds of things. The the is not capitalized. Okay. It is not part of a title. It is not part of, you know, an honorific whatever. or something. Correct. Okay. So you are free to no longer capitalize the okay. on the Baptist. He is not the only I guess. I don't know. Baptizer out there. I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> that aside, let's start with some background. Who is he and where does he show up in all of this? He is a figure that we come into knowing through the Gospels, the four books in our Greek scriptures that tell the story of Jesus. And he shows up in all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, that's got to be somewhat rare. It is, and it isn't in the sense that he shows up because he's a part of Jesus's baptismal story. Okay. Because as an adult, he is the individual who baptizes Jesus. Okay. So since the two Gospels that are slightly different... Mark that starts a little bit later than in the storyline than Matthew and Luke and John that starts in, you know, esoteric mm -hmm. Beatles language land. Right. But they all talk about the baptism of Jesus. They all begin there with the public ministry of Jesus. And so they all begin with that piece of John's story as well, because John is the one who baptizes Jesus. And so John shows up there. Matthew and Luke, primarily Luke, gives more of John's story. And Luke is something that is read around Christmas time specifically, right? Correct. Okay. Absolutely. So what do we hear about of John the Baptist from Luke then? Well, this is what's interesting about it because John the Baptist turns out to be a relative of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is, of course, the son of Mary. Mary has an aunt named Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth is married to Zechariah. The Gospel of Luke begins with Zechariah, who is serving in the temple, a priest who serves in the temple, mm -hmm. longing for a child. Elizabeth and Zechariah have been longing for a child for a very long time. They've never been able to have a child. They are advanced in age. And Zechariah goes to serve in the temple. He pulls the straw, so to speak, to go in and be the one to serve in the temple and be in the Holy of Holies. While he is there, he has a vision of an angel who tells him that he will have a son, that Elizabeth will become pregnant and will have a son. 
and that he is to name the child John, which is absurd and strange and different because there is no one in their family line with the name John. Mm -hmm. And Zachariah does not believe the angel. And for that, Zachariah is made to no longer be able to speak for some time. He is rendered speechless. That's got to be wild. And so he goes home and they find that indeed Zachariah and Elizabeth are able to conceive a son and in time, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth when she finds that she is also pregnant with a child. Now, anybody who is listening to this and is thinking, that sounds somewhat familiar, you probably will remember this most from the COVID Christmas pageants that have been produced by the younger crowd at Central for the past couple of years, because this story shows up in that, correct? Exactly. This is the version, the gospel version that we have been using to tell the Christmas story during the COVID seasons. Mm -hmm. Because it is, and for those who have been doing Christmas pageants, this is the version that is typically done. Luke's version is the one that is typically done. Normally, you don't get much about Elizabeth and Zechariah. You don't normally get all of that portion. Mm Mm-hmm. But that portion is the story of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. That is his origin story. And it is Elizabeth giving birth to her son and naming him John that brings John the Baptist into the world. And knowing that John the Baptist is going to be someone who is unique, Mm -hmm. someone who has a part in this plan that God has going on that is different. And For folks who are familiar with Mary's Magnificat, for example, the song that Mary sings, or for those who are familiar with Blessed Are You Among Women, Mm -hmm. which is part of the rosary that Mm -hmm. people pray, that's Elizabeth's word. Those are Elizabeth's words. And she says that when she meets Mary and John leaps in her womb because John the Baptist, even from within the womb recognizes Jesus as someone who is important and different and begins to point the way to Jesus as the savior of our world. Now, how much do these two stories cross that we get to hear about in readings in church? A lot or not much? We hear about John the Baptist and Jesus a little bit in Advent. It gets weird, I think, sometimes. That's the thing, is that we hear about John the Baptist in Advent because John the Baptist as an adult, not so much in the infancy narratives, but Mm -hmm. as an adult, we hear about John when he's calling people to repentance. Because John the Baptist becomes the figure crying out in the wilderness, make way, make straight the path for the Lord, right? If there's a hill flatten it. If there's a valley, raise it up. Make crooked pathways easy to get through. Make things easier and more straightforward for God to find a way into the world. And John the Baptist is in the wilderness, in the Jordan, saying, repent, turn around, change the things that you've been doing. And in Advent, 
we are often hearing literature, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that is calling us to change our ways or calling us to recognize the things in our world that need to be different. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist is particularly calling us to recognize where we ourselves need to be different, where we need to change things about how we interact with the world, how we make our choices, how we miss the mark and need to shift our perspective and shift our behaviors and choices in order to create the world that we long to see. Do we have any idea why he's saying these things? Do you ever get any background on that motivation? He is a prophet. He is a holy religious individual who is pointing the way to say the Messiah is here. The Messiah is in the midst of us and be ready, be ready to receive the Messiah. Be ready to understand the world is about to change. Turn your hearts, get ready to receive it. The kingdom of God is here and everything that you think is might and power and majesty and awe is wrong. So turn around, change your ways and be ready. And he's, he's that figure in the middle of the street corner who's saying stop hoarding up everything you have you don't need another storage unit look at this person right next to you who doesn't have anything the kingdom of god is right here in our hands stop giving everything you have to commercialism Stop giving everything you are to capitalism. Stop making these choices. Turn around, you're missing the mark. The world needs more compassion. The world needs a different way of being, and it is here at our fingertips. If we will just dare to give up everything we know in order to step into it. And John the Baptist was frightening and challenging and people didn't like him but people were intrigued by what he promised and what he had to say and so they came out into the wilderness to hear what he said because the allure of truth and the allure of the kingdom of god is strong and that is who john the baptist is john the baptist always 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 points to jesus and points to god and points to the way the world can be, but it's not an easy path. Do you think people's reaction today is the same as the reaction was back in the day, like that we're listening to him supposedly for the first time? I think so. I think there are a lot of people who speak in ways like John the Baptist, who speak in truths and who speak um, challenges and who are then, of course, end up much like John the Baptist did. Mm-hmm. Which is... Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Not great, but we'll cover that on another podcast topic. We absolutely will. I mean, that's part of the reason why I get John the Baptist in my head as much more of an Old Testament character than a New Testament character. Yeah. Okay, so the stuff that comes up in Advent is, as you said the repent and make mm-hmm. change and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where does it show up that John the Baptist actually baptizes Jesus? Where do those verses happen? In Epiphany. 
So right after Christmas, we end up with the baptism of Jesus. It's interesting because John the Baptist stuff kind of gets crammed in close all in this Advent, Epiphany, Lent sort of quick stuff. So we get in Advent, we hear him calling us to repentance, which is setting the scene for the baptism of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we, if we hear part of the Lucan uh, narrative around the nativity scene, we might hear a little bit of John's story as we hear the nativity at Christmas time. And then during the month of January, which is right after right after Christmas, we have the season of Epiphany, and this is where the wise men show up, and we get the baptism of Jesus. And maybe if there's enough time, we get the story of Jesus being presented in the temple. It really depends on when Lent begins, which mm-hmm. depends on when Easter is, depends on how long this season is. And so we might get a little bit more of John in that section, but then we get the baptism of Jesus. So of course we get to hear from John the Baptist at the baptism of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then we hear about John again on Ash Wednesday because Jesus leaves to go into the desert right after his baptism. So we have him baptized by John and then he leaves and he goes into the desert. And that's what the 40 days of Lent are symbolizing Mm -hmm. are Jesus's time in the desert. Also, oftentimes during Lent, we hear about the death of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the other vision I have of John the Baptist in my head, which again, makes it Old Testament-y to me, is that he was a character, right? He was not your, I bathe regularly and I'm a culinary snob kind of person. He was a character. (laughs) Where does this come from? (laughs) We think of him that way because we hear of him wearing camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey. Right. Because that's the description of him. To us, that sounds very outlandish and very strange. But here's the thing. John the Baptist spent his time in the River Jordan. Mm -hmm. So he was bathing a lot Mm -hmm. because he was in the river all the time. Camel hair, for those of us who spin and work with fiber, camel hair is extremely soft. It is an absolutely luxurious fiber. When I have spun with it, I've spun camel hair and silk together. Mm -hmm. And if you have any little pulls on your fingers, if you have just the slightest dry skin, it will pull a fiber so fast because camel hair is so delicate that it will pull that fiber. It is like the finest silk fibers. It is soft and warm and delicate and luxurious and incredible. And wild honey, anyone who has eaten wild honey. It's delicious. It's delicious, Mm -hmm. like fresh honey, 
wild honey. These things are amazing. And locusts to us sound terrible. But <laughs> yes, and locusts to my bearded dragon sound like a delightful meal. He would be just delighted to be able to have a meal of, of something so delicate. Mm -hmm. So our Western ears might hear these things and not understand that actually this is someone who was an esteemed prophet. He was a highly esteemed religious prophet. Yes, he was someone who did not fit the cultural standards. He was not at the temple in Jerusalem wearing linen and eating what was expected of religious leaders in a metropolitan way. Mm -hmm. And he was someone who was still encountering rich, beautiful, luxurious creations of God in a wild but decadent way, if that makes sense. It does. And it runs wonderfully counter to the image, I think, that we want to have of John the Baptist hearing all of this, you know, wild language of sinner repent and change and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. It just seems so hyperbolic that you want that person's image to be wild haired and crazy to go with it. Totally. But I love that it's not. No, he, I mean, definitely counter to a metropolitan chic, mm -hmm. but a decadence that is all its own. Okay. Well, that's going to lead me to my last question. Is he someone that you enjoy preaching on when he shows up in the Sunday services, or is it someone that you perhaps will choose either a different story or something current instead? I, I don't mind preaching on John. I hope that people don't get bored of hearing about him. Why would they get bored? Because he comes up every year. Mm. Well, yeah, so, but so does like the prodigal son and you just suffer through that. I know, but I don't want people to just suffer through. John is way more interesting of a character than the prodigal son <laughs> in my mind. There's way okay, more to fair. go for. Fair. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm inspired by John. I think he's intriguing and there's a lot to be inspired by about John. A lot to be cautioned by about John as well. But there's also a lot to be inspired by about him. So depending upon how you take the tactic and how you approach it, it can be really wonderful to preach about John. It's hard to take the brood of vipers text and make it real every time. But to really play with the camel hair and locusts and wild honey, that can be really interesting to sit with people and spend time with. But I don't know. I enjoy him. He's such a fascinating character. His life, I wish we had more. In the same way that I wish we had more of Jesus as a kid, I wish we had more of John and Jesus as cousins mm -hmm. growing up together. I wish we knew more about whether they spent time together, whether they knew one another as young religious individuals. You know, Jesus didn't begin his public ministry until his 30s. John was in public ministry long before Jesus was. Did Jesus 
participate in John's public ministry? How long was John in public ministry? All those things are questions I have. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated. Yeah. And questions I wanted to ask, but I also pretty much knew the answer was going to be, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know any of that. I wish we did. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about John the Baptist. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining along today. It is wonderful to have you listening along with us, either on iTunes or Spotify or off of our own website. If you have a question or an idea for a topic, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast.centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.